Um, I know I'm not Pastor Damien, and I'm not sure how I ended up here. Um, I think I got bamboozled, but I do thank you, Pastor, for the privilege. You notice he is sitting here, and it's not many times that I get to share where he's actually sitting here, so I don't know whether to be nervous or just go about my business, but thank you, Pastor. I want to say something before we do get started. I feel like I do this all the time, but I feel like I need to do it. Amen. And so when you read any good book, not that I'm a good book, but when you read any good book, the very first thing is usually, or one of the very first things is a what? A title? Yeah, when you get into the pages, though, I probably should have given a little more information. I'm bad at that. Sorry. Introduction, yeah. A what? Should read the end, no. <laughs> Maybe, I've done that. But anyway, there's a preface, right? Like the author wants to tell you some stuff before he gets started in his book. He wants to tell you something. So I want to tell you some things, listen, and I want you to understand that I want you to be challenged today about what's being said, but I do not want you to be challenged by me. I want you to be challenged by the word of the Lord and by the spirit of truth, amen? And please understand that if it comes across that I am yelling at you, I'm not yelling at you, I'm yelling at me. Because this word came to me first, right? And God's been talking to me about it. But it does incorporate all of us. So please understand that I'm not going to shout at you today. If it seems like that, I'm sort of sorry. I just sometimes get very passionate about some things. And especially I've noticed, even when talking with my wife about this topic in Wings and Rings, last night I was becoming so adamant that I think I shook the uh, poor waitress. She's like, are you guys fighting? We weren't fighting at all, really. We were just having a really good conversation. I was becoming very intimate. But I want to say that if you begin to feel a stirring in your spirit this morning, and you feel like, man, I'm feeling convicted, then accept that conviction from the Holy Spirit and move on, right? If you feel condemned today about anything, you can toss that thing into the trash can and forget about it, because we know where that comes, all right? But I'm believing today that the Holy Spirit is here and hopefully, as he brings conviction to your heart, if he does, that you will accept it and try to move on and ask that the spirit of revelation show you just every area, because that's what I had to do. Amen? So, normally this would be a great time to start with a very powerful scripture. However, I want to share with you a word that the Lord gave me. He gave it to me, I think, back in November, somewhere in there. And originally, I thought that this word that he had given me um, was for a specific couple. And in turn, after I researched more about the word, I just in turn knew it wasn't just for this couple, but it was going to be for the church and myself included. And so I woke up one morning, and I went to my office like I typically do, and I had my prayer time in my office. And while I was sitting there in my office, I heard the word movement, and I saw the number 21. I just kept hearing movement, the number, seeing the number 21, and I didn't know what to do with it, so I just began to pray in the Spirit. Movement. What do you mean, Lord? Will you please show me what you mean by these words? So I waited, and I wasn't really hearing anything, and I'm like, I just want to look this up. Like, does this word mean something that I don't know that it means? So I went to my favorite dictionary. I know you're tired of me hearing me say this, but 1828 Noah Webster's Dictionary. You can get it online. You can Google it. You used to have to have the book like this thick, but Noah Webster was a Christian, right? And it was written in 1828, or it came out in 1828. So most every word that comes out of there is Christian-based, 
There's scriptures in there that relate to the word. So it's a very good dictionary to use. Um, sometimes it seems to be a bit outdated for our culture, but I usually find it to be very relevant. But this is what it said. It says movement. And of course, like any good dictionary would do or English teacher is telling you that it's a noun. And it's talking about motion. And then it says a passing or a progression. And it's, I stopped right there. And it was like the word progression just jumped out at me. And I heard in my spirit, pay attention to the next three words. And the next three words from that dictionary are shaking. If you're taking notes today, you can write that down. Shaking, a turning, or a flowing. Any change of position in a material body. And so, as I mentioned earlier, the Lord just keeps unpacking this word to me and unpacking it and unpacking it. And even on Thursday of this last week, something else had came to me that I got to share with Stacy last night, and that's why I think I was being so adamant. But he told me about the shaking and that he's going to shake in this church and the church. That's about what I expected. Crickets, nobody's excited about shaking, being shaken. And man, I'm thinking to myself when God's telling me this, we've already been through 2020, Lord. Weren't you with us? I thought you were with us in everything that we do, Lord. Weren't you with us? He's like, yeah, I'm with you. But he's like, I'm going to shaken to awaken you in the church. And on Thursday, and I was sitting in my office, just like kept thinking about that. Lord, what do you mean by shaken to awaken? We've all probably have alarm clocks. How many alarm clock users do we have here? Like, I'm weird. I just get up in the morning. I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, I don't set an alarm clock. But I know there's a lot of people that do, right? Have you ever heard the alarm clock off? You hit the snooze button, and you rolled over, and you went back to sleep. And then all of a sudden, you wake up, right? And you're in a panic because you're probably late for work, right? It's not that kind of awakening. That's what I thought it was going to be like. But the Lord says it's not that kind of awakening. The awakening I'm talking about is imagine yourself and your closest neighbor that you're really close to. And somebody comes into your room in the dead of night and they shake you to awaken you. And they tell you that Tom and Sue's house is on fire and they're inside. You would rise up rather quickly. You and you would be awakened in that moment because you see and you've had a bit of a revelation of the need, right? There's a need, and you would you would awaken. That's the kind of shaking that the Bible, or excuse me, that the Lord was talking about in this word is the shaking to awaken us. I think if we'd be honest, or I can at least speak for myself, that there's some things in my life and some areas in my life that I've let. The slumber kind of sneak in, maybe a bit of laziness at times, maybe not been quite as serious about some things that the Lord um, is wanting us to do, and we'll get more into that here in a minute. But then he said, a turning, and I just really felt like the Lord was just saying, like, the church initially when it was launched and there was the Great Commission, and it started out on this journey, this really good journey. And then through time, it has slowly kind of drifted into this place that 
what really is the church to be doing? And what is the church doing? Now, I want to just say that there are some churches and there are some people out there that are doing an amazing job at what we're going to talk about today. And I want to applaud them and applaud you if you're one of them. And I would say that if you're one of these people today that you're really great at that, help us. Because I got a feeling that there's a bunch of us not so good at it, but we want to be. And how many are gracious to the Lord that he is slow to anger, right? He's slow and he's gracious and he's kind and he's turning this thing right now that we're going to talk about today. But the question is, is will we allow ourselves to be turned or are we going to be so entrenched in the traditions of men and what we know church should look like? Will we allow ourselves to even then be corrected by the Holy Spirit to come back to that place that he has for us? And so lastly, the last word was flowing. And I just believe that in 2021, if we will allow ourselves to be awakened by the Holy Spirit and turn to the direction and to the face of the Lord and become the church that he had called us to be from the beginning, we are going to see a flowing like we've never seen before in the days of our lives. We are going to see healing like we've never seen in our lives. We're going to experience salvation like we've not seen for a long time. But I just want to say something that all this word at the end is going to cost us something. If you are saying, you're hearing this word this morning, you say, man, I want all that. I want all that. Ask yourself a question. Are you sure you want all that? It's going to cost you something. We're going to get to that here in a minute. Amen. So that's the word that the Lord had given me and, and I had prayed over and I continue and he just continues to un, unpack it, you know, but we'll kind of come back to this in the end full circle. But there was a point in my life, and I just want to give you a, just a quick testimony. Like, Stacy and I have been involved in a lot of ministry over the years. We've been saved a long time, and so we've had the privilege of serving in just about any capacity in the church. Probably like most of you have served in so many places, and we're so thankful for you. But we've cleaned bathrooms. We've served in children's ministry. Oh, just youth ministry at one time I was a part of. Um, elder ministry, so, and now, I guess, pastoral ministry for whatever it's worth, right? But we've served in all these capacities, but there's times in my life when I look back and I question myself, and I always felt, even in the midst of my serving sometimes, something's missing. Something's missing. And I never, never felt like I could get to the answer, like, what is it, Lord? Why do I feel this way? Is there something wrong in me? Is there something that I am doing that I shouldn't be doing? Is there something I'm not doing that I should be? Would you show me? I don't know, guys. I just got to be real. I just felt so blinded for the longest time, and I never felt like I heard the Lord say much of anything when it came to that. Or maybe it was coming, and I was just so blinded by whatever that I couldn't hear it. You know, the, I'm sure the word of the Lord was coming in those seasons, but for whatever reason, it was coming to my ears and not landing in my heart and my spirit, and I wasn't allowing it to cause change. Have you ever asked yourself, like, what am I here for? What am I supposed to be doing? Has anybody here ever asked yourself that question? Am I the only one? Can't be. Can't be the only. We've all probably asked ourselves. If we, if you got your Bibles today, I would love for you to turn to 2 Corinthians 5 this morning. I have 6 through 21. We're not going to read that whole thing. We're probably going to end up starting in verse 11. So however you brought your Bibles or read your Bibles this morning, 
We'll just begin to turn there. So, Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is alive. I thank you that it's active, and I thank you that it's powerful, Father. So, God, help us to have a revelation today of what you're saying to us through the word. May we understand that it's you speaking to us, God, and that you are alive in us. You are powerful in us, Father God, and that you have a purpose for all of us in Jesus' name. I just want to say that I didn't even know this, but uh, I put together some notes and trying to keep track of them, and I shared some of this on Wednesday. If you were here, there's been a few little new things come out already, and so there'll be some more, but I didn't have a title on Wednesday, but I just thought, well, I don't know, Pastor Damien always has a title. I'm going to have a title. I don't know. Then I'm like, I don't know what to call it. I don't really know what to say, Lord. I don't know, so I just thought, well... So I wrote Awakened to Purpose Through Love, and that's our title today. So at the top of your notes, you can write Awakened to Purpose Through Love. And then I don't know, Angie came this morning and asked me, like, so is this the start of the purpose something? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, she's like, pastor's moving on to the purpose thing. She's like, is this the start of it? I'm like, no, I guess so. Anyway, 2 Corinthians 5. How am I doing on running around, Kyle? How's your thumb? I'm the guy that loves to walk over, so I've tried to come down here and stand here. And I set a new record the other day. I was all here all by myself, and I stood in this very spot right here. I think there used to be a table here or something, and I stood here for three minutes and 41 seconds without moving. That's impressive, right? Yeah, I didn't move one bit. I'm about to run, though. I can feel it in my bones. Second Corinthians 5, 11. Therefore, since we know the fear of the Lord, what do we know? And we understand the importance of obedience and worship. We persuade people. Who do we persuade? We persuade them. That sounds like an important word, the word persuade people. We beg people. We compel them because we're passionate, because we're full of the love of Jesus Christ. Right? We persuade people to be reconciled to him. I was about to literally unstrap my guitar this morning when Byron started talking and reading that scripture. I'm like, I'm just going to tackle this dude. But then I thought that's probably not good because he's bigger than me and I'd probably just bounce off. And hey, we're on the same team anyway. And it's just the confirmation of the Holy Spirit because we hadn't talked. So thank you, brother, for that. But we are plainly known to God because he knows everything about us. And I hope that we are plainly known also in your consciences. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but we are giving you an occasion to be rightfully proud of us so that you will have an answer for those who take pride in their outward appearances. And I don't want to get um, so caught up in all this right now. This is important, but to really get um, to where we're going, I'd love for you to skip down to verse 16. So now on, we regard... No one from a human point of view. So he's talking about now that we are saved, we no longer see people from a human perspective, right? How do we see them then? Spiritually, right? If we have Jesus, the supernatural God living on the inside of us, we should have the supernatural ability to look upon these people the way that Jesus sees them, right? Not the way that we do. And let me just say, there are times in my retail world that I fail at that, just being honest. Though we have known Christ 
From a human point of view, now we no longer know him this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, because they have been grafted in and joined to him by faith in him as their Savior, you are a new creature. You've been reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. Can somebody say amen? I've been renewed. The old things are what? They're passed away. They're gone. But behold, there are new things that have come to us. 18. But all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, excuse me, making us acceptable to him. And pay attention this morning to this next part. And he gave, everybody say, he gave us, now say me. He gave me the ministry of reconciliation so that we might be an example to others. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them because he didn't cancel. He didn't count your sins against you anymore, did he? No. And so he has committed, what did he do? He committed to you the message of reconciliation. Now, Pastor Damien is sitting here. Sorry, I'm just perusing the crowd for a minute. I didn't want to use him as an example if I didn't have to. But you all know he works for the sheriff's department, right? Everybody here know that? If you don't, if you're a first-time visitor, welcome, by the way. We're happy to have you. If you don't know, our senior pastor, Pastor Damien, gets the cool opportunity to wear this really cool black outfit with a shiny star and a brand-new cruiser and lights. I don't know. I'm a little jealous. I think when I was a little boy, every little boy wanted to be a policeman or a fireman, right? But what would happen, Pastor? Let's just say that you decided to go buy that outfit all by yourself. You bought it. You can buy a lot of stuff on eBay, right, and Amazon. And you buy that outfit, and you buy that star, right, and you put it on, and you run out, right? So he's out there running around just with some clothes and a thing on that makes him look like a police officer. Do you really have any authority or commission to be doing that? No. He doesn't. He wouldn't, right? He doesn't. But I bet he could trick some people. Some people might be tricked. I heard you could buy a cruiser on eBay. I don't know. Is that true? I don't know. But there's been stories about people do stuff like that. But he has really no power authority. If I would do that, if I would go to eBay and buy a sheriff's thing, put that on, I really am just doing it. I don't really have any power or any authority. But that isn't his case. He's got a uniform and he's got a badge and he's been commissioned by Matt Trigley, our sheriff, to function in his power and authority that's been given to him. But then he needs to go do something, right? He's a police officer. Wouldn't it be interesting if the sheriff's department of Allen County would just say, hey, you know what? We've got all these cool cars. We've got these cool clothes, but we're not going out. If you've got a problem, you get to come to us. You can come to the sheriff's department. Wouldn't that be interesting? Domestic violence. We're not coming out, but you guys can bring that fight to us if you want. We'll hear you. Starting to sound strange, isn't it? But is it starting to sound strangely familiar? I believe that the church has gotten into a come mentality. 
I don't really think that's what the Lord had envisioned for us as the church. We've been blessed by his patience and his kindness, and people have come, people that are broken and needed him, and I'm thankful. But at the end of the day, somebody's got to get in the police cruiser and go out and do what they were commissioned to do and the power and the authority that they've been given to do it. And it's time for us to rise up. I want you to understand something is, you know, we talked about on Wednesday and actually I brought it and it's, it's not that important, but we were talking about um, ministers of reconciliation. And, and the cool thing I think about this is you need to take this super seriously. Because at the end of the day, we talked about on Wednesday, you could go to Weinbrenner, right? And they're great. They're a theological seminary in Finley. If you don't know what Weinbrenner is, they do a great job of teaching and instruction. Um, and you can get a nice little shiny plaque, I'm assuming, when you're done, or certificate, and it has your name on it, and doctrine of theology or whatever, you know, master of theology. And Olivia is going for her master's degree in nursing. God bless her. What's the course you're taking right now? Biochemistry. Yeah, I don't even want to know. Anyway, God bless you. But at the end of the day, somebody, because of that piece of paper and a lot of money spent, you get to be a nurse, right? But what if, other than having some credentials, and I brought some of my credentials today, that's what was going to be my show and tell. But if they go up in flames, that paper's gone. But wouldn't it be cool if God himself said that I've called you to be a minister? What if he was here this morning? Oh, he is here this morning? And he says, you're all ministers of reconciliation. Here's your ordination from the Lord himself. Because that piece of papers that I have aren't worth anything. If I take them to Panera, they're not going to give me anything for them. I can't get a cup of coffee, hazelnut, if anybody ever goes there and wants to bring me some, right? They're not going to do anything with that piece of paper. But the Lord himself has called you, church. Where does your commission and your ordination come? It comes from the King of kings and the Lord of lords. What are you going to do with it? So let's talk about it. Turn your Bibles, if you have them this morning, to Matthew 28. We're going to talk just for a little bit here about the Great Commission. I promise I won't keep you super long. How many have something in the crock pot? Good, nobody got an extra half hour. There is a running joke that what does it mean when the pastor looks at the clock? Nothing, right? I'm going to be reading this out of the Passion Translation this morning, the Great Commission. It says, Meanwhile, the 11 disciples had heard the wonderful news from the women. And then they left from Galilee, comma. I want to say something. The Great Commission, the very start of it, starts with an act of obedience. You see, previously in Matthew 26, um, in verse 7 and verse 32, Jesus had already told the disciples that when I die, I want you to meet me at the mountain in Galilee. Now, there's varying... Descriptions of this story in 1 John, some believe that maybe Peter uh, decided to go fishing uh, instead of going right to the mountain. But regardless, in Matthew's version, he's, he tells them, I want you to 
go to the mountain and meet me there, and I'll meet you there in Galilee, right? So Jesus dies. He's crucified. He's risen again, and he shows himself to the who? The Marys, right? He shows himself to the Marys. And what do they do? They go and they tell the disciples, we have an act of obedience, right? This is 2816. Meanwhile, the 11 disciples heard the wonderful news from the women. Where did they hear it? From the women. They're being obedient because Jesus told them to go tell the disciples. So they go tell the disciples. The disciples hear it. They, in turn, do what? Somebody say it. Go. They go. We're talking about the Great Commission, and there's already a go before they've been commissioned. Somebody hear that? They had to be obedient and go before they were even commissioned yet. There's obedience in this, guys. Meanwhile, the 11 disciples heard the wonderful news from the women, and they left for Galilee. They went to the mountain where Jesus had arranged for them to meet. The moment that they saw him, they worshiped him. Can you imagine? I don't know. Maybe you guys are better at this than me, but I'm like, Jesus has just died. And he says, I'm going to meet you there. And I'm probably already thinking on my journey to the mountain. Like, Is he really going to show up? Is he show up? But he told us to go. I think they're talking to one another. Oh, I think he's coming. I bet he's coming. He said he's coming. He's really probably not let us down yet. Well, you're probably right. They come in. And so he shows up and they bow down and worship him. But what does it say next? What? Some of them doubted. Jesus is standing before you. I asked, I said, why, why do you think they doubted? But nevertheless, but still some had lingering doubts. It says, then Jesus came close to them and said, all the authority of the universe has been given to me. Now go in my authority and get some people to pray some really cool prayers and send them on their way. And now what your Bible says? It's not what it says at all. This comes back to the point that I said earlier that it's going to cost you something. So if you're listening and you're here this morning or you're online for the next five minutes, I'm begging you, please pay attention. Then Jesus came close to them and said, all authority of the universe has been given to me. Now go in my authority and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I've commanded you. And lastly, never forget that I am with you every day until the completion of this age. He said, go and make a disciple. He's telling the disciples themselves. So he's telling 
the learners, the, scholar, the scholars, the followers of Jesus, those people that had adhered to those doctrines, I'm telling you to go replicate, go replace yourself. Make this thing reciprocal so it keeps going on and on and on. You make one, you make one, you make one. But all of a sudden, if nobody wants to go anymore, that whole process stops. If the disciples don't show up at the mountain, it never gets started. But they showed up out of obedience, and they started a thing that was meant to keep going. And the question that we have to ask ourselves as the church that I've had to ask myself more and more in the last 30 days since God has given me this word is, what am I doing as a disciple of Christ? Am I duplicating myself? Who am I discipling? Who am I teaching, training, bringing up? You see, when God says to train up a child, he doesn't say tell them what to do. There's a difference between telling somebody what to do and training them. Have you ever been on a job and tried to train somebody in a sense, but all you do is tell them what to do? And I've done this, right? Not understanding the learning style of the person that I'm communicating with, that I tell them something and I go out and you can tell them, don't get it. Nope, that's not right. And it's not really on them. But when I took the time to get down and stop just telling them what to do, and I showed them what to do, it clicked, and they took off and run. Some people can understand that at that level. You can tell them what to do. But some very specific detail jobs, there's training. I wouldn't dare go into Grobe Industries and start running machinery without a little training. Because more than likely, I would probably lose some parts and pieces, and so would somebody else, and it'd be dangerous. It would be dangerous just to send somebody out. You hear what I'm saying? It would be dangerous for somebody just a new Christian. Oh, here you go. Look, no, the Bible says to teach them and train them about spiritual warfare, about the things they're going to counter, about the things that you've learned in your life. That's what he told the disciples. The stuff that I've taught you, you teach them. You know, we're ambassadors and and we're representatives, and we're, we're all these things. But I think what the Spirit of the Lord is trying to tell us today, and I think that you're going to believe, begin to hear from this pulpit, not just from me, but from our leadership, you're going to hear a shifting in the culture that we can no longer afford as the church to keep doing what we were doing. We keep looking around, and there's new faces, and it's great to see you. But I can't help to think that in the sense of the Great Commission, though we're building the kingdom, at some point, some of that kingdom should be present here. If we're out there working in the field, some of the harvest does belong to us. It comes to us. Because God is going to see fit that you have a one and that you should disciple them. And some of those disciples will stay here for a while. Some of them might be sent to go on, but some of that harvest is meant for here, and there's nothing wrong with that. We're not trying to strut anything and say, hey, look at new life. We're trying to say, look at the kingdom of God, and we're going to do our part as it pertains to the kingdom of God. But my question is to you today, ministers, the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've got your certification, you've got your ordination, and you've got your commission. And are you going? So as we back up, Many, many months ago, I taught on this very scripture, the Great Commission. And if you remember, there's this big linguistics, that's a big word for me, linguistics debate 
in the theological world. I don't really hang out or consider myself to hang out in either of those arenas. I don't feel like I'm like this super duper deep theologian. Certainly not a linguistics or an English person. But as I was studying last time for the Great Commission, there's this uh, debate in that world where some believe that the actual Great Commission reads more like this. Since you're going anyway, disciple, baptize, and train. How many here pretty much go every day? Go of hands. You're out and about. Only three of you? I don't believe that. Come on. In the last two years, how many of you go or have gone places? Well, then may I say to you, since you're going, anyway, how about you use that trusty ordination you got from the Lord himself, ministers, and duplicate yourself as a follower of Christ this morning. That's the challenge. But personally, whether it reads one way or the other, to me, since you're going or go anyway, oh, we make some disciples this morning. You know, I thought about, man, um, those, the scripture this morning in 2 Corinthians, though we didn't read it, talks about being ambassadors for Christ. Now, we've probably all thought this about somebody else at one point in our Christian lives. Maybe we haven't thought of so much about ourselves. That person is not being a very good ambassador or representative for Jesus. True. <laughs> raise your hands if you ever thought that. I'm kidding. No, don't raise your hands. Don't raise your hands. Oh, man. I've been guilty of it. I got to be. But I come back to the fact in the Great Commission before Jesus actually sends them. It says some of them doubted. They weren't perfect. They had some doubt and some things going on in their life. And we see in the lives of many of the great men of the Bible, they weren't perfect. Paul wasn't perfect. Wasn't, didn't he kill some Christians or something? Peter had an anger issue. I'm not going to lie, but I would love to have been there when he chopped the dude's ear off. And Jesus put it back on. But you get what I'm, my point is these people aren't perfect. We look at all the great men of faith. They're my heroes, people. They're not perfect. David had his issues. And I mean, you just go down through the line. Moses had some issues. Abraham, these men of faith. Issues. Disciples doubted. Nonetheless, Jesus didn't stop and say, well, hey, you're not worthy carry this call, or you're not worthy to be this minister. I'll work on that as you walk this out. I'll work on that. We'll keep working on that. And if that becomes your heart, then you can walk with this, hey, you know what? I'm not perfect, but God. There's your time for your testimony to rise from. You know what? And when people point that out to me that I'm not perfect, I'm like, you're absolutely right. It's game on, though. Testimony time. I'm not perfect, but let me tell you something about what I used to be. Because of the Lord, you know? So God, I just pray right now, just as we begin to wrap this thing up, Lord, I just pray that you would give us the spirit of revelation, Father, of your intent for the church, Lord. And if we have strayed in any way, God, 
Would you please forgive us, Lord? God, forgive us. But we do take seriously, Lord, that you saw it enough that you made us ministers of reconciliation. We are the ministers of you, God, to them. It's the way that you set it up. It's the way that you chose it, God. You chose us to be ministers. We didn't choose ourselves. So, God, thank you first and foremost for trusting us with that immense responsibility. But, God, I thank you that you have equipped us to do it. All authority is what your word said had been given to you, and you gave it to us. So, God, I thank you for that today. I thank you that we have the power and the authority to walk in, and we don't have to do this on our own accord. We don't have to strive to do this, Father. And I thank you that you are with us. Jesus' name. We're going to close out with a scripture and a few closing thoughts before we, we send you home today to that wonderful pot roast that you've made for my wife and I. This uh, title was called Awaken to Purpose Through Love. You see, how do we do any of this? The thing was that the Bible talks about in the scripture that we all know, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? So what do you think the thing is, is that we should be compelling us? What is the one thing that should be fueling this whole thing? The whole reason that it make this introverted person want to talk to somebody at Walmart. And I want to tell you a story really quick that it's not about bragging to me. But when you allow God to give you the spirit of revelation, it doesn't matter whether you're an introvert or an extrovert anymore. Because I'm an introvert. I don't even like people. Kidding. I love you guys, but... I am a bit introverted in my personality, and there's times I would rather just sit on my couch and be alone. But God, by his Holy Spirit, has shifted me out of that thing. But when the spirit of revelation began to pour into me about the Great Commission and that God was the one who has ordained me and called me to go, I find myself going out on a lovely shopping trip yesterday with my wife, and we're going to Hobby Lobby. And all the men said, amen. It was actually really fun. Uh, yeah, I'm a little embarrassed saying that. I'm already getting Yeah. Anyway, we're thinking about decorating our kitchen, and we're decorating in some uh, farmhouse motif. So I'm a country boy that lives in the city, so we're going to have a house in the city that looks like a farmhouse. <laughs> oh, man. Sorry. But we're, uh, we decided to stop and get a cup of coffee, and... Uh, going to a coffee shop that I'd never been to, which is really amazing. And But there's a new one, and it's on the corner of Woodlawn and Spring, the old Chuck's Pizza place, by the way, if you're an old-school Lima person. <laughs> I love Chuck's Pizza. Some of the best pizza around. Rough neighborhood at the time, and that's probably why they didn't survive. But anyway, some great pizza. But we walk into there, brand-new coffee shop. Um, it's called Light on the Corner. Light on the corner. There you go. And so you walk in the door, right? They got a cool little deck next to the parking lot. It's freezing out yesterday. But we walk, we open the door, and then we walk in, and you look around. And can you take one guess, right? So I just told you why we're going out. We're going shopping for farmhouse motif for our house. And you walk in that place, and guess what it looks like? It looks like a farmhouse, and they've got everything for sale. My poor wife is like, oh, my God. 
Like there goes my billfold. Literally, I could just ching, ching, ching. Uh, it was fine, but great coffee. But we're waiting. She's shopping some, and I just reordered our coffee then, and just kind of talking to the clerks there and asking them, like, what are you doing here, you know? Like, why are you selling coffee in this location? And They just started sharing their hearts, and some more people came around, and a gentleman had come up. Um, his name was Wayne, but he had like a, a blind person stick. I don't know if he was totally blind or whatever, and he thanked us for coming, and I said, well, it's really cool what you guys are doing. I love it, and I started to walk away, and he's, he's like, you know, I really appreciate your guys' support, and, you know, it's really good to hear other Christians. I never told him I was a Christian, which was really weird, but believed in, I really need your support and would really appreciate your prayer. And as soon as he said that, I heard the Holy Spirit said, pray for him. I'm standing in the middle of the store and I'm like, Lord, okay. And I just did it. I just said, oh Lord, but I did it. I'm like, Wayne, I'm going to pray for you. Put my hand on him and I prayed for him right there. And he starts crying a little bit and I look over out the right of my eye and the guy that was running the cash register, tears. This isn't about me. This has nothing to do with it because it could have been any one of you. But that's my point is are you willing at any point in your day to stop? And I've said this a hundred times before. I said it on Wednesday. We have a rule at the restore. Maybe the new guy has red hair in here. He's the new rookie at the restore. I don't know if he knows this rule yet. He's out on the truck a lot. We have a rule at the restore that if you're within three feet of somebody, you never walk by them without saying, hello, how's your day? Is there anything I can help you with? Now, if you're a lot like me, I have a all-purpose excuse. <clears throat> I put on my best jacket today. This is my spiritual pastoral jacket. Makes me feel really important and spiritual when I wear this like this. I went in when I got it and I said, Pastor, do I look like a pastor today? <laughs> he said, You got your official pastor packet, didn't you? But so many times I walk by people and I tell myself, I don't hear the Holy Spirit saying anything to me. Because we always want to use the excuse. Well, I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. I do. You have to understand that the Holy Spirit through the word of the Lord in 2 Corinthians and in Matthew has already told you that you're a minister. It's already told you to go. And since you're going anyway, and you're right there, and somebody's kind of reaching out to you saying, I need something from you. And the Bible talks about as ministers of reconciliation because I have reconciled you unto me. I want you to reconcile others. This whole thing is fueled by love because Christ loves us. So what are we doing if we're not willing to extend that same love? Where would we be if he had not extended that love and the spirit of revelation to understand that we were sinners? Where would we be? Where would I be? I don't know. Would I be here today standing? I don't know. Do you understand the spirit of the Lord is compelling me and it's compelling you today? 
Will you take this seriously in this age? I am shaking, I am turning, and I'm about to flow, but you've got to take this seriously. That's what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And lastly, that sign has been up there for a long time, and I said this on Sunday, so if you look back over there, and I know we probably can't get the cameras over there, but for those that are watching online, it says, each one reap one. It was a campaign that we started a year and a half ago or somewhere in there. And the whole premise was this very thing. The whole premise was this very thing. And I think there were cards handed out, and the question was, who is your one? Who's your one? Who's that one person that you would just say, man, God, if you would just save my brother. If you would just save my brother. And we wrote it down. We put it in a box. And the honest truth is, is after time went by, I lost sight of my one. But Jesus said, I left the 99 to go find the one. And that's the compelling spirit today is, are you willing to make a sacrifice? Because this is where it's going to cost us something. It's going to cost you something to get out of our seats in this comfortable church and go to the uncomfortable people that we maybe aren't used to being around and compel them to come to Jesus. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And if the person who commissioned us lives inside of us, if the person who has given us our authority lives inside of us, what are we doing with it? that whole thing. Well, if they would just come to the sheriff's department, we could fix their problems. But all over the Allen County and all over the world and all over, people are calling out, but nobody's answering the phone. And I know this seems harsh, but I already prefaced this this morning that I know some of you are doing this already and you're doing a fabulous job. And my only thing to you was, is if you're doing it, would you help us? Because there's so many of us that need help and we need to learn to not give up and not stop. You see, we would never implement a process at Restore and not give it the opportunity to work, to find out whether it was working or not. And so church, today is the start of a process in your lives and in my life. Will you allow ministers, will you allow the Great Commission to impact your life in such a way that you're willing to weigh out the cost to say, am I being a disciple maker? And God does your word work. And I guarantee you, I already know the answer. It's yes and amen. But what, what are we going to do? What will you do? And I know that this word seems heavy. But at the end of the day, I don't know that it's like so heavy that I feel weighed down. I almost feel energized. Like that thing that I spoke of, like, what is this thing missing? When I was serving in the church, it was this cleaning the bathrooms with no focus on go win the lost. It was leading on a worship team with no focus about winning the lost. It was about being an elder in a church and not having a focus to win the lost. And it's about being a pastor and losing my sight of what's really important for the church is to go out and love them with the same love that he loved us. Amen.
Father, I thank you. If you just stand with me today. Just going to say a quick prayer and then I'm going to have Brother Byron come up and close out the rest of the service. God, but I just thank you that you're here today. I thank you that you saw in your infinite wisdom, Lord, to choose to use people like us. It makes no sense to me, God, why you would want to use me. But you call me son. You call them sons. You call them daughters. You call them ministers. God, so give us the revelation. And may we even have a greater revelation, Lord, of how much you love us. If that's the thing that fuels us, if that's the thing that compels us, then help us to understand it better, Father God. So, Father, I think that we don't really have to strive for this. And I pray that none of you walk out of here and try to think up of a thousand things like that. Let the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you flow through you and just let him flow. But if you try to work this thing out in the end, it's going to make you exhausted and tired. But if you let the love of Jesus live out, then when it's time to speak, you'll speak out. When it's time to have action, you'll move. Because just like the Great Commission was it started with an act of obedience, that's all we got to do is just start with a simple act of obedience that says, Lord, here I am. And I'll go. So if that's you today, just by a simple declaration of faith, I want you to do one thing with me. I want you to just repeat after me. Say, I'm a minister and I'll go. I'm going to say it one more time. I'm a minister and I'll go. God, you've heard their declaration. You've heard their faith, God. So I thank you that by all power that is in you, Jesus has been given to them to walk this thing out. They are equipped already to walk it out. They don't have to wonder and they are not disqualified by occasionally having some doubts or some issues. That's not what disqualifies them, just like it didn't disqualify some of the disciples, God. So I thank you that you're moving. God, I look forward to what you're going to continue to do in this church. God, I thank you and I believe you right now for fruit to come into the kingdom. God, I thank you that as we are disciples and as we disciple, God, people will be moved and compelled to come into the kingdom and they will go and duplicate themselves just like we've been duplicated, God. So we give you praise. Lord, I just ask now that you would watch over everybody as they go home and keep them safe today. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna turn